right. All right, well, here we go. So uh, it's Stops for Donuts. This is episode two of season two. Uh, we've got our friend uh, Jim Norris, Rev, hey. and, uh, and Jed Kopp from Colin from Massachusetts. And uh, it's me and Art Biggs. Uh, we're all kind of sitting here talking. Um, so we don't have any donuts. Uh, I actually left the donuts in my car. It's so rare, I was... rare. I, but I did eat donuts yesterday. You did? Yeah, first nice. time in maybe over two years. Where did you get donuts from? I got them from uh, King Supers. Nice. It was kind of weak. Wow. But they're union Still. donuts. Still. <laughs> That's right. They're That's union. Right. That's right. Damn right. Those donuts are consistently mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to be better. Like... So, uh, yeah. Supers have never really been known for their donuts. But I, do I know, but it's, cl- it's close to the house. Yeah. You know, and Voodoo Donuts, I'm all about, you know, they, they, sh- they should all be unionized, and that's a big deal. They... That should have been there. Agreed. We, we could go over that another yeah. time, but they're taking advantage of their workers <laughs> on every shop in every state. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we um, thank you guys for joining us yeah, today. It's, it's awesome. It's nice to be asked. Yeah. I think, so, I think, about, yeah, I think about all this a lot. We're going to talk a little bit, uh, all of, like, well, Jed and Rev and I, we, we worked at the Bluebird, uh, together. And then I think Jed did some shows at the Ogden too. And, but Rev was the GM for both. And, uh, talk about Legend. having like a crazy job. <laughs> yeah. And it was, uh, it was lots gr- of responsibility. Yeah. It was the greatest job I think I ever had. I knew every moment that it could end because everybody got fired without knowing all, right. all the time. Like, you know, you're you're fired. That's it. And it right. was you know when you're around alcohol and drugs, and that's how pretty much we made. I mean, alcohol is how we made our money. It wasn't really on ticket sales, but right. You know, so when you're around that, everything's nuts all yeah. the time. Every night, every night is Saturday night. Right. Yep. So both of these theaters are on East Colfax. Um, both are now over a hundred years old. You know, uh, I think uh, is it? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. So uh, the Bluebird was built in like 1913 or 14. It opened in 1915. And uh, it was designed by Harry Edbrook. So Harry W.J. Edbrook. So I don't know what the, the little initials in between those names are. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so it started off as a movie theater. Um, and like, you know, because I remember there was like pictures downstairs of like, wasn't there like something with like Shirley Temple? Yeah, and, I like, think the that's three one of the too? Yeah, that might be one of the like the Denver now and then book. Okay, there's a great couple great pictures in there, and then oh, there's another one called uh, another book called Denver's uh, just Denver's theaters, and it covers a bunch it covers of covers that. Yeah, Julie or not Julie, Annika. She was involved with that. So okay, that that's cool. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah. And it's, you know, like these theaters uh, eventually turned into music venues, um, both in the 90s. Uh, so with the Bluebird, um, that was originally owned by John Thompson, who I guess was like a local grocer at the time. So yeah, Groovy dude. Right. That's where the JT is up over the stage. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah. And like he also actually owned the Ogden Theater, too. So both of these were like movie theaters for a long time. Eventually... Uh, the Bluebird actually turned into a porn theater in the 70s. It did. Um, and that <laughs> lasted, I think, from like 74 to like 87. Wow. 
And then a, that is a long time. Yeah, and then was purchased by Chris Swank and Evan Dutchman. Um, Evan was a great is a great dude. Yeah, he's alive. Okay, but he was he was a, a, a awesome. He was fully involved in the fun part of it. Nice, yeah. that's cool. <laughs> and then so both of them were run by the production company uh, NIPP, which was owned by Doug Kaufman. Yep. Right. That and, took a while though. It was privately. Chris Chris just did it his own, and that's how. He was just booking his own stuff. So when it opened, it was Mike Latronico was the okay. production manager guy that fixed everything up to get it going for the opening stuff. Okay. So Latronico was the manager, and I think he might have even booked some stuff. And this is where Peter Orr came out of as a barback. He was barback. You know, I didn't even realize that. Not, not his forte. Not his forte. You know? <laughs> so he's, he started booking, booking bands, and luckily at that same time was the 15th Street Tavern. Okay. So what's his name? Well, Scott Campbell okay. was, was booking amazing stuff down then. And Peter had this amazing, beautiful venue. You right. Know? So, and then Kaufman owned the Ogden Outright and was doing his own thing up there. So Kaufman was booking, Kaufman was, on his own was at IPP at, right. at, at, when I when I was there. Okay. So then. Uh, uh, and did Kaufman own the Gothic and the Ogden yeah, at that time? Yeah. Okay. And he owned the Gothic. I think he owned the Gothic with Dolly Xander. Gotcha. Yep. And. I, Wasn't I, he involved in the uh, Lions Lair as well? Yeah, he just sold that to Tony. Yeah, he did. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I, after after I'm telling you, the guy dragged it out with me every two or three years. We'd sit over there and go, Doug, man, I love this place so much. I love it so much. You know, all the great times I had here and right. yada yada yada, telling all the shows, and it's like it's only right that I have it, man. Only right that I have it. And he go, yeah, yeah. And then go home and think about it and go, you know, Jim, I really love this place, too. <laughs> I don't think I want to sell it. I don't want to sell it. I don't that's want hilarious. To sell it. And then Peter almost got it. But thank God. I mean, Tony. Tony's the one that's put the time in. Okay. Tony was the first bartender ever to buy me a drink. Ever. Really? Yep. I had come down. I was up at in Boulder seeing Mule at, this show, at the Penny Lane. Oh, nice. Yeah, okay. so Mule was playing there. Oh, wow. Yeah, and and then, uh, oh, man, the, Timothy Burton just was up there for I don't know what reason, why okay. God he was there, but he was at the th at the place, at the Penny Lane, watching Mule with us. So we got to watch a lunar eclipse with <laughs> Timothy Burton. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. <laughs> so, so I'm getting to the point. No, that's good. But from there, we from there we spent all our money because it was like this amazing night. We had I was with Matt. Matt came with us. Yeah. Matt was a big tagger back then, so we tagged the whole mall, our zine tag. Nice, <laughs> like that's that. awesome. So we went back to the to the lair, and Boss Three Hundred Two was playing. So we you know asked them if we could get in for free, you know, on right. a Sunday night. So we just sat there at the bar, just watching the band, you know, with their hands nice. tossed. Me, I think it was me and Matt, or me and Dave. And was and that was when the bar was or the stage was behind the bar, yeah, right? That was gold. That was awesome. That was just gold. It was man. absolutely yeah. like one of my favorite places. Still is one of my favorite yeah. places. Like because that Boss Three Hundred Two show, you know, t Tony finally buys us a beer because we look so pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the most grateful. And I've told the story a thousand times, so I love Tony from the Lair on that one. Yeah, and then th that stage like that with Rich from Boss Three Hundred Two, he would do the whole dancing on the bar. Right, you'd have to pick your beer up while the singer was running through the bar. Totally, the dwarves when the dwarves played there, right. that was crazy. Same deal. You can't keep your shit on the bar. Yeah. Yeah, I love the lair. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love the lair. I that was you know I've I've 
a known raging alcoholic, but I'm seven years seven years sober now. So nice, good work. So awesome, and I still love the lair. Yeah, I would still sit on a bar stool in that in the lair and watch shows if I owned it. They That's never awesome. Do, yeah, they never do yoga. It's not like Red Rocks where yoga looks great. Yeah, it's There's like you guys know shorts. You know who shorts is Jed. You know shorts. Ah, he's a legendary drunk. I think he familiar. might have been a, a, a drunk of the month for the for the, for the modern trucker. Yeah. Okay. But he was like had nowhere to live and it was hiding it. He he'd go, Well, I'm gonna go to the bathroom and then he'd climb up through the ceiling and then sleep up above <laughs> the bar. And then in the middle of the day the bartender sitting there doing stuff and the fucking ceiling gave way and shorts oh dropped out of the ceiling out of the bar. <laughs> Well, that was, I'm sure, quite a surprise. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. That's, that's great awesome. God, I wish I could say I knew that guy. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> he comes in every now and again. He's he's still just raging nuts, man. Just He's just nuts. He just loves to party, man. He's yeah. just that dude that's like wearing a beat-up dirty trucker hat. It's like, hey, man, let's party. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So do you still talk to Doug? Kaufman? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. How's he doing? He's all right. Yeah. I think that he's, uh, he's all right. Okay. I think that he misses the, everything, you know, like this whole era that we had was really epic. And when he owned the Gothic, when like, or the Ogden, when I came on, it was a, you know, it was a big change. It was just crazy. They were doing, we were doing, you know, George Clinton shows. There was the, that was the only size venue right. like that. You know, it was 12, 1103 legal cap at that okay. time. Okay. So yeah. there, there wasn't any other <laughs> venue that big. Yeah. You know, and when you had Doug who'd been booking and Doug had been booking for years before that, you know, he filled, he did the Fugazi shows at the yeah. Gothic. I mean, Doug is legend. Yeah. Doug I, is legend. Anybody talks about Barry Faye and all that bullshit. Right. Barry <laughs> Faye was great that he started it, taught us how to do touring. But as far as the guy that built the music scene in Denver, it's Doug Coffman. Yeah, for sure. Yep. 100%. Yep. It's crazy because I tried to get into that Fugazi show at the Gothic, and it, it was it wasn't fucking happening. Did you just so stay out front with your? I stayed out front with my kids. So I think my mom had to come and pick me up. So because at that point I wasn't even driving yet. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That place was just. I mean, I, I get goosebumps about the stuff I saw there. But yeah. surfers. I saw the dead uh, milkman there with Mojo Nixon. Unbelievable! I would have been amazing. I love yeah, Mojo. That I mean, was my I, first I like, punk show. Home. Really? That's yeah. a great one. Mojo's the one. shit. It was good. Yeah, the so, cramps there. Well, the cramps at both theaters. Yeah, I did the cramps New Year's Eve at the Ogden. Did the cramps before that once. That you know, you get this feeling of peace that you don't get any like anywhere else. Like there's all these different, just amazingly different people. At the cramps and it's yeah. people that look like we could. You know, everybody could be like, hey, we could all be extras in a movie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> hey, the bad part of town came. You know? That's hilarious. I, and I, everybody gets along. Everybody just has the best time. Yeah, right. And I think that with the smaller shows, like the venues we're talking about, Bluebird in particular, for me, that five or you know, it was five hundred cap or whatever when we were there. Right. You know, legal. Legal. But seven fourteen. I thought it's what it was. Now. Seven fourteen. Yeah. <laughs> is, is that what the the sixteen horsepower show was? <laughs> oh, something like that. Yeah. Yo, that show was amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I was out front showing people in with a with a, a broom, getting them packed in tighter, <laughs> and just stunned. You know, asking because I had just started then. Just yeah. asking. So when did you start? Uh, Ninety seven. Okay. 
All right. Like late 97. Late 97. Yeah. And you kind of worked your way up, right? Like, I did. I was a door guy. I'd never had done that before ever in my right? life. I had long hair and I was doing construction and shit. So I was just, and I had been working at Virgin Records during the day too. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll lead up to that. But, you know, okay. but when I got offered a job covering a shift for, uh, uh, oh my God, what is, what are those cheesy ska bands? Um, Skank and Pickle. Skank and Pickle? No. <laughs> Mustard Club? Yeah. Um, well, as, as I talk, I'm sure I'm You'll figure it out. Okay. But like, I, but we opened up for the Voodoo Wall Schools. That's a great of, one. That's yeah, classic Yeah, they were awesome. Those they guys, were great. These guys are good, and, yeah. and it's important that they were around. It was. These, these guys are... These still are like, is. I think they are still around. So well, the, Both these bands ended up getting bigger. Okay. But I remember sitting there, because we used to block the floor off of chairs. So, like, the all ages would be on one side, and we'd stack right. up these heavy chairs, a pain in the ass. But I was, my shift was just sitting there covering the spot just in case a fireman had to go through. Yeah. And I just sat there just watching the show going, oh, man, you know, I'm going to work two or three nights doing this forever if I can. No right. No matter what. This is right. when Mary Robertson was the manager, the greatest manager ever. Okay. So... I just, I just gave every all the security guys my phone numbers. Like, well, I'll work you. Know, I'll cover your shifts, you know. And then nice. there's always on every rock and roll shift. There's the guy that's probably a guitar, probably a bass player <laughs> <laughs> that just wants to be part of the show but not do any of the work and do none of that stuff because you know you got to do the work. Right, you got to. Sure. You can't just sit there and star fuck, you know. So. There was a guy there at the time that had been there a while that's just weakened out. So I ended up picking up three, four shifts at a time right away. And okay. Just did good. Right. Know? And since I was doing construction and I had a baby and all these things, I didn't hang around afterwards for, <laughs> right. the, for the shift drink. Okay. D- drinks. Drinks, plural. <laughs> so sometimes so, we watch the sun come up. Yeah. <laughs> So I remember, you know, sneaking outside to smoke, smoke weed with my one hitter, not knowing that, okay. every, that everybody was yeah. also smoking weed. So at that point, were they doing shows like as like multiple times a week? Because like oh, yeah. now they're down to like yeah, now it's Friday, nuts. Saturday, Sunday, which is nuts. Yeah, and then that but kinda... because they, you know, it's because the big guys own all the space, right? You know, so nobody's competing with that five hundred right. cap venue anymore. Nobody's because those guys own it, right? You know? And that's like so. But the back way... then, it was probably three, four, five shows a week if they could. Okay. It, it was like there wasn't there wasn't the competition, right? So if uh, you know, somebody wanted to play, they wanted to play the 500 cap, Doug's Place, you know, Lion's Lair. So yeah. there was great places to play in Denver, were. but only a few, right? You know, that were, that were doing that. Yeah, Seven for sure. South, you know, and, and Peter booked the Nashville Pussy shows at Seven South and something else. I didn't realize that. Yeah, huh, so that was like awesome. early on because there was no giant promoter, so right. That you just had to pick whatever, and again, okay. and Scott, he would just Scott get Campbell, in touch with Nancy. Or? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Scott Campbell was the uh, an amazing booker. You know, he yeah. nailed every great band. He had Fog and Molly at the Tavern, Queens of the Stone Age at the Tavern. Jed, who else? I mean, some crazy bands. There. I know Delta oh, Seventy Two yeah, right there. You name it. I mean, yeah. everybody. So all, all anybody in Denver had to do yeah, when you Delta had the only five hundred cap venue was go. Well, I can make you more money, agent. Right. You know, because I have this venue that I can right. make you at. So the natural progression was whatever Scott booked, and then we got it after that. And that's kind of who Peter le- learned from? Like, was Scott? Well, or? I'd say watching whatever Scott booked. Okay. You know, Peter's got great <laughs> musical taste. He may listen to this, but 
you know. All right. I know Scott Campbell would listen to it. Well, Jed, like, so what were some of your favorite shows at the 15th Street Tavern? I know we're kind of getting off of the Colfax venues, but, like, but it's, all, it's, all, but it's, it's a all progression. Like it's, it's important together. how it all works. And Colfax right, is like sure. the because you, know, you get the tavern right downtown, right. and then you just work your way up the street. The yeah, line's there. Absolutely. Uh, then there's the Ogden and Bluebird. And yeah. It's, that's where it's at. It's all within, what, two miles of each other? Right. Absolutely. Not even two miles, yeah. 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 So what do you think some of your favorite shows at the tavern were there, buddy? Uh, me? Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't <laughs> well, make Queen, it as much. Queens of there. the Stone Age. Queens of the Stone Age sticks out for sure. Yeah. Okay. That would have been, that been fucking amazing. So that, I just saw was... them at Fiddler's Green. So oh, Love them. Yeah, absolutely yep. fantastic. But, I don't uh, know. I think all my favorite favorite tavern shows were always local bands. Right. Uh, local metal, local like trash. I remember Old Hags, his his band. What was that? Uh, Fast Action Revolver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh so my god, dude! Good. And even before so then, good. like Wretched Refuse. Yep. And, oh yeah. Uh, I got what the what's the Sacred Deuce Red Refuse? Uh, well, Brian Hagman. Well, yeah. What the 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 other guy? For the, for, not singer, but guitarist, probably furry haired dude. Uh, can't, oh, I can't remember his name. I think he's I'm terrible. I think, names. I think he's passed away now. But he uh, pulled he pulled a shotgun on me and Matt and Dave once while we were we were partying up there. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. Yeah, we, we ran for our lives, and then the I next bet. yeah, then, then the next night I was at the lair. Okay. And taking a piss, and the dude comes walking up, fucking taking a piss right next to me, and I'm like, hey, "What dude. the fuck, man?" I go, yeah, I go, it's what really the fuck? I go, "Do you know me?" She goes, "No, I don't think so." I go, "You should fucking recognize me. Yeah. You pull a gun, on, dude." <laughs> oh man, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry about that. You know, but I thought I was thought you three, the three of you guys were gonna jump me, and I was all fucked up. Wow, I can't oh. remember his name. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, we ended up being friends for years after that. All right, yeah. all right. Said fucking COVID. Lost, yeah. him, lost him to COVID. Oh, that sucks. Well, you know, so you started there in 97, kind yep. of worked your way up. Yep. Um, so what do you think, like, how did you see things progressing? Um, just like with the, the, the Denver music scene and then like what was, I know you've kind of already talked about, like, you know, the correlation between 15th Street Tavern and then um, the Bluebird as well as like the Lion's Lair. Um and then, like, so now, like, at that point, like, NIPP was in full, I mean, they were, like, yeah, one of the biggest, was, like, local production companies. It was, companies. for sure. There was, like, a big union. So it was, you know, there, we had that giant meeting. So it was Doug and Jesse Morreale, Chris Swank, Peter. Okay. But the owners, the people who owned property are Doug and Chris Swank. Right. Jesse was a booker. Jesse booked. The Springs, and he brought all the metal. He brought, he was like he brought Pantera, which you know now it's like whatever you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then who else? You know all those kind of bands like that. He was super metal and had long, beautiful hair. Okay, so they were all kind of competing against. Like Jesse was competing against Doug, or Jesse was booking shows and paying rent. You know, and right. Peter was pay- booking shows and paying rent up at the Ogden. So it just made sense for them all to come together under Doug's moniker, the NIPP, because Doug, okay. Doug had been doing it so long, you know, and it had name recognition. Right. Doug, you know, Doug was the shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when did that actually, that big meeting kind of take place? That time? was probably, geez, I don't know, maybe 98, 99, 98 probably. Okay. 
late 98. Yeah. And it just made sense. So then now we were a big company that right. owned the Lair, the Bluebird, and the Ogden. And it was boom. It was on like Donkey Kong. Because there was nobody like, you know, there was nobody that could compete because they yeah. didn't have the places to book. Well, right. Doug uh, had been working with the bands too since like the German house. He used to like yeah, talk you yeah. the German you, house. You name it. He brought the best. All the, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so all the bands were like, no. German man, House, that's a great one to throw in your totally. opening. It's Colfax. It yeah, is. It is. You know, it's two, one block, two blocks. That's a great one. It was absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, forgot like, he did that. Yeah, I did local bands. I had a couple of those flyers, but yeah, just just an amazing place to see a show. And when Doug came up, it was like the fluid. Yeah. There was that era of bands. Right, so yeah. he, you know, he kind of came out of that. And then... You know, he had a little help, so he could book stuff. Like he booked Ray Charles at the at the Paramount. That's awesome. I think that was one of a show that he lost a lot of money on. Really? He just you know learning a learning curve. You know, right? But I'm not sure. Huh? So and kind so of like, then so then like from '98 '99 on, it was NIPP and right. That was the shit. Right. It was, and like I mean, even you know, for national bands and local bands to have opportunities to play at the coolest. As far as I'm concerned, like some of the coolest venues oh, yeah. Denver has to offer, oh, yeah. you know, because like you don't see local bands getting as many opportunities at those places anymore like they used to. You nope. know, and where... they, they filled it up, and that's why and then it became, you know, seven days a week we had shows. Yeah. So matinee shows for kids, that's where uh, uh, Suburban Home Records would do those. Those stuff. were so we fucking had a awesome. Whole sweet Boulder scene, that, that no coast Denver scene where nobody gave a shit with. East Coast was doing, nobody gave a shit what West Coast was doing. They were all just making their own amazing punk rock. You know, right. Punk rock that kind of probably spawned out of Club 156. And then yeah. came down and then hooked Which up with Which was also an awesome venue. Yeah, that was right? a great one. So, so then, the, you know, then it ends up down here. So with that no-coast idea, and then when you have promoters that are willing to say, all right, well, you can have this venue, and, you know, we get... 15% or whatever the door is, maybe. Right. So there was no risk on anybody's part. And, you know, uh, Russ, uh, what was Russ's last name? Uh, I don't know. They kicked, you know, so there was so much interest and stuff. They kicked that all that booking down to Russ. And, you know, he did a pretty good job with it. He really helped uh, cultivate a great uh, local metal scene. Right. And then paid, you know, homage to the really good bands that were already playing already that were a slam dunk to throw in there. You know, that was... Oh, geez, at the end of 57 Lesbian Era. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of just great stuff. that There was. Know, fill, and so much blanks. was coming from Denver. I should have brought it, but I'd, I'd just been going through my files, and I have, like, a stack like that of all the schedules. Oh, my so, God. So dude. I can flip it over and tell you what day, what show you yeah. worked and who worked oh, that dude, day. Oh, dude, I would love to get, some like, just some uh, copies of those. So yeah. I'll give them back. I got it. The, the, the amount of stuff I've been going through lately, I had forgot. Because now it's what? You know, it's... 20 years we were talking wow. about so going through the stuff going like oh wow I did save all these schedules yeah like, you know, I saved you know, crazy amounts of bizarre autographs you know the ones the, the 8x10s I wouldn't put up because I didn't like the band <laughs> <laughs> real big fish that's, the, that's, that's my first okay, show there you go. real wow. big fish was my first show <laughs> that reminded me <laughs> boom 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 all the bands that I didn't want <laughs> didn't want to put up um so, so what were some of your favorites then, right? It's tough. It's crazy to say, but you know that very first show I remember vividly. And then a couple nights after that, maybe my fourth or fifth show, because this is when I was also the processing manager at Virgin. 
Okay. So I had been done with construction and tried to get a real, on real music job. At this point? Okay. Yeah. So I was full time there at Virgin and then worked my way up to like assistant manager and stuff like that. So that's why I was at the Bluebird so much because yeah. I got, I got the local shows and I loved them. You know, I, yeah. loved, I loved the local shows because, you know, getting to take care of people that you'd go out later and they'd be your server, your bartender. Right. The guy that works on your car. Yeah. So it was more important for me to take care of local bands, national bands. They're going to come through once, give me the finger maybe, or you're going to have a great time and leave. And your whole job is to kiss their ass the whole time you're there. For sure. But as far as favorite shows, you know, I didn't even see it, but security for, when I was working security for the Jesus Lizard show. Oh, (laughs) nice. I remember that show. Yeah. I wasn't working there, but God, I was there and getting my ass kicked. That, that, that's another one of those. Oh, what's the uh, what's the capacity? Yeah, yeah. And working the front door, asking why, why, why? We keep it just mm-hmm. seems so violent. And talking to David Yao before the show, he was a really calm and quiet dude, you know. And I thought, all right, you know, they, they all these stories about riots and stuff like that. That's right. not like happening. Like, yeah, this guy's so mellow, you know. That man, it went south. There was blood all over our shirts. We were all, all the security wow. guys were going to get arrested. We didn't, oh, have, we didn't have security licenses. We didn't have a license to beat people up. We just did it. Just did it. Okay. And it wasn't like that, but so, it just got brutal. Guitarists smashing people in the head. I mean, Jed, you were there. I mean, you saw it, right? It was, it was, it was brutal. And, and I don't even, I, I was young and it wasn't like, I hadn't really seen a, a violent show like that, you know. I've been to punk rock shows where people, oh, it's a circle pit, cool. And then you go and you see something like that, and you're like, holy shit. <laughs> like, people are, are bleeding. That's crazy. There's blood on my clothes that's not mine, yeah. you know. Right. Wow. What the hell is going on here? So, yeah, that show is legendary. Yeah, that's, yeah. One, of, that's one of my favorites. So, as- you know, the Flog of Molly shows at the Bird are absolutely legend. Those are crazy. Absolutely. Another one. You know, the first one was when they were on the Warp Tour and just came over to play. So there was only like 130 people there on a Sunday, which was like, wow. Yeah. And then the next time, everybody knew. Right. You know, so it was stuffed to the gills. And some girl we threw out went around to the side and threw the main breaker off. Oh, Whoa, shit. Look at that. <laughs> ghost, dude. <laughs> ghost. ghost. lost my microphone. Dude, head. as soon as I said that, Jed fucking... Yeah. Nate's microphone went limp. Went south. <laughs> so were um, like Guar or Crash? Guar was amazing in all the Guar shows, and that 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 was one of those bands that there's like MIT degrees and yeah. just amazing people that just watching them do what they do was just beyond compare. And, I got to do the New Year's show yeah. which in and, 2000 Guar again. Yeah, and they they would stay, stay after the show, oh, clean yeah. up with everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was yeah. really community. great people because I mean they make a giant mess. Yeah, yeah. But, but really great people. That's one of my favorites. The, the New Year's Eve show with Gore, and that one ended up you know that that night we kept waiting for the world to burn down. Right, <laughs> it just didn't. You know, <laughs> just, so I think we went up on top of the bluebird roof and lit off fireworks. Nice. I, I don't know who was there, but I remember being there. Huh. So funny thing about Gore, I just hung out with those guys like I don't know, maybe uh, uh, seven months ago or something. Oh, oh no shit! Nice. Where um, where'd you guys because, hang out? Yeah, guess in fucking Wistat, kid. Wistat, Wistat, fucking Wistat. No, uh, Stephen was driving them. Oh yeah. Oh no shit! Uh, he was a bus driver. Yeah, 
good old Steven, speaking of, you know, former employees and stuff. Yeah, Steve, yeah. And, and the, the, these guys that just made music their life. And, that's awesome. Yeah, Steven was uh, probably like one of the, I thought one of the best head of the securities that, that we had, oh, you yeah. know, and just like really loved all of us. It was, he's, it was great. He like, just loves the live music. Almost, yeah. I mean, you know, he's uh, very spiritual. Yeah. And, and has stayed around the music business this whole time because he loves it that much. Right. You know, like how much he loves Slim and David. And, That's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's, Steven's an amazing guy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And I wish still, I could you know, like he's got a What? Go ahead. I said I talk to that guy you know, every week. Oh, you do? I, oh, yeah. No, I still talk to Steven all the time. Anytime he's through here with, you know, whatever band that he's, he's driving, we always meet, you know. That's um, cool. He, he hooked me up, uh, what was it, uh, not last weekend, the weekend before. Um, yeah, December 9th. Um, ben Roy and Adam Tate and Holland, those Denver comedians, were up here. At that sold-out uh, show, did you go there? Um, I didn't go to the one up in Maine. I went to the one in Portsmouth. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, but I was chatting with Stephen, and I was like, hey, man. I know that you uh, you got some points built up with your uh, hotels. Let me uh, buy some of those points from you. He's <laughs> like, no man, no man. I just he just hooked me up. He's like, don't worry about it. I got all these points. I'm not going to use them. So he gave me a damn hotel room, a fancy one, in Portsmouth, right downtown. And like because of Steven's baller hotel status, they upgraded me to like this suite. And I'm like, damn. Is it? Is this what this guy does all the time? <laughs> that way he gives it away and goes, well, I'll just go sleep in, in the car. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll sleep in the bus. Yeah, which right? is, yeah, I mean, Steve and the guy we're talking about is, what's, I mean, six foot nine. <laughs> yeah. He's, maybe he's more. six foot eight. Six foot yeah. eight. Okay. Yeah. And everybody asks him how tall he is everywhere you go. Yeah. yeah. He literally was the only guy that didn't have to use a ladder to f do the marquee. <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> but uh, no, great oh, guy. One of the best. Uh, and he, best and he came out of that. He was the last guy under 21 that I hired for the clubs. Okay. And mm -hmm. uh, again, uh, he, his story is that he got a, a route. We came from Kansas. You know, like, right. Seven foot tall Kansas corn fan boy <laughs> coming to the big city. Right. Got a room at the motel across the street from the Ogden. Okay. And uh, Social D was playing or Mike Ness was playing solo or something that night. And he was just looking out the window going, man, someday I'm going to work there. Someday I'm going to work there. Wow. Yep. And then he asked us for a job and got a job as security at the bird. Yeah. And then he worked his way right up out of all that stuff. And that's kind of how it, it started with like Jed and I too. Like I think because... And Jed, like, I don't remember, like, do you remember who got their job first? Because, like, our whole house worked at the Bird. It was that's me, the, Jed, and Chris. That's the AFP, buddy. Yeah, that's right. Amy Fisher Posse. <laughs> Amy Fisher Posse. That's right. AFP. Uh, Jed's w interview was, he just answered everything Elvis, because <laughs> Amy told him to say, yeah, Elvis, <laughs> Elvis. <laughs> and then, and Jim's going to ask you that questions. Time, that's hilarious. Any Jim, Jim, Jim's going to ask you questions, no matter what he asks you, the answer is Elvis. <laughs> and I stuck to it. I felt like a fucking asshole. And I could tell that, that Jim was starting to get pissed. <laughs> no, I just, just give me a real answer. 
Yeah. I'm like I can see Amy and she's just looking at me just fucking smiling and laughing. <laughs> so he'd ask me a serious question, something like, So, you know, would you say that you really have a good work ethic? I mean, are you uh, are you the type of guy that's gonna miss a lot of shifts? And I'm like Elvis. <laughs> Elvis. And Jim's like, No, I mean I'm on, getting annoyed right now hearing the story. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, yeah, that was it. But So she got me the job, yep. um, and uh, I think, Nate, you came on next. Yeah. And then... Uh, you've been playing in Ocean, then, so we were already yeah. stoked about Ocean anyway. I was stoked about it. Yeah. To be part of that stuff. And Amy's just ama- was amazing. And I think at that time, I still was asking that question, if it, re- if it rained music, what would grow? And okay. you, you had an answer. I know you did. I can't, oh, I can't remember what it I was. I can't remember what it but was. I remember either. asking because I only interviewed a few people at that time, and that that, that set of questions. And I think that's that that most people awesome just question. answered instead of saying Elvis. <laughs> yeah. Instead of saying Elvis, yeah. it's true. But you guys lived like what two blocks away, and there was uh, three drummers just drumming in the house. Yeah, it was three drummers. Coolest. So the house of drummers. You guys so. were the cool. When I saw that house, I thought, man, you guys were the coolest. You live in the dream. <laughs> that's right. These guys oh, are fucking that, musicians, that man. Yeah, that basement was crazy, and like so many bands, like. You know, practice. I mean, uh, Bobby Collins practiced there. Ocean nice. practiced there. Nice. Because um, and then, it, when did the Wild Canadians like stop there, Jed? Like, did you guys practice at that house? No, the Canadians never practiced there. We practiced down at um, Soul Society. Society that's right. Oh yeah, yeah. Which yep. is like that's where we met Amy Fisher. Like, well, at least for me, like when she was in Ratio Sination. So, yeah. and then Ocean, like, we started kind of jamming with her. Wow, so you guys were still fresh with Amy when I met yeah. you. Yeah. So, and, like, I had known Amy, like, just kind of through, like, different friend circles, but, like, we hadn't really, like, hung out, hung out, you know? Jeez. So, and I fucking miss her every day. Yeah, me too. But I, um, I met Amy before then, and it was, um, she had come up to me because of something that had happened at the Bluebird actually okay I, I met her when i was living down on sherman street with uh ben and travis and all those guys and uh we were having a party or a get together and amy fisher was there and she said you you you're the guy that's saying jump <laughs> with, the, with the psychedelic zombies at the bluebird oh yeah and i was like yeah that was oh, me wow yeah. jed look at you dude <laughs> that's hilarious I'd love yeah. the psychedelics. I did too. I have a story I, about yeah. them too. Yeah, right? well, yeah. go for it. Tell yeah. it. Well, when I moved to Denver, I got a, I got I found a place on Seventeenth of Franklin, but back then, it was gangsters straight up. So yeah. when I was moving in, these guys just threw fireworks at me and my dog the whole time, and I'm just like, "Fuck, man, oh what God. am I gonna do?" Then they tried to break in the house the next night, and then the night after that, their house got raided by the cops. And then the night after that, their house just got looted by everybody that knew that everybody was in jail. Right. Yeah. And then oh, after, then I was just like, what the fuck am I going to do living right. in this city with a German shepherd? And a, you know, I was living in a garage that had been converted. Okay. Then the psychedelic zombies moved in, and I got to meet all these groovy dudes that were not gangsters and right. were really just And actually cool. super cool guys. Yeah, yeah, the coolest, dude, the coolest. They're, at that time, who was what other contemporaries? Because once I hear a name, and I just think of the rest, you know. Um, Kevin so, played bass. Um, who was the Mike singer? was the singer. Yeah. And then, yeah. and I think Darren was playing drums originally, like to start, right? Because yeah, the drummer, he was like, the original drummer. 
Yeah, and then he ended up going out to Atlanta, and like he like he befriended, I think, like Anna DeFranco, <laughs> and was playing either with her, and and then and he started his own band on her record label. Nice, which, yeah. Huh. So, which I think now, and like I know, drums and tuba were on that record label too. Also, amazing so band. fucking amazing. They, they played the bird. Yeah, band. yeah, absolutely. The time we're talking about. Yeah, but uh, psychedelic zombies. I mean, they were around for so long, and um, you know, just kind of like a Denver staple. They, I guess, like did a reunion show a couple of years ago at the Bird. So that was cool. Nice. Um, I didn't get to go, but uh, I heard it was a good show. I was there for that. that, was, you that did? Was oh, nice. Yeah. That's cool. Jed, you're just there for everything groovy. Right? <laughs> you are, man. It's like everyone. We're like, oh, yeah, I was there. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> I, I do like the groove. You know? You got you to gotta, you gotta get into the If there's the one groove, thing I would boy, say about Jed Lee, you right. he, he likes to groove. He does like to groove. <laughs> So I've been known. I miss you. I miss you, buddy. I'm glad that I got to see you briefly when I was there recently. Yeah, that was nice. Nice. Yeah. When did you come out recently there, Jed? Uh, That was in June. Okay. We had a a real quick family reunion. Oh, that's right. That's Um, right. Yeah. And I uh, was just kind of in and out doing most of the family things. So I didn't really tell anybody that I was there. Yeah. Um, but I, I had to get a hold of Rev me because uh, yeah, everybody checks in with the Rev. That's yeah, what's been great about right. mutiny totally. is that I can I see everybody. And why did they call you the, the Rev there, Rev? Because I'm a Reverend and I do weddings. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I've done like what thirty four <laughs> weddings. Oh, nice. Yep. That's quite a few. It quite is. a few. Yeah. And I think my divorce rate is less than the national average. That's awesome so too. Mo- most people stay together. All right. Yeah. I've done one wedding, not divorce, so my you, divorce you, rate beats everybody. I've done a together. Nice. <laughs> Straight A's. That's what's good. That's Colorado's awesome, Colorado's great about that. Right? Know? And then being in the rock and roll business, I've done weddings at the Ogden Theater. I've done, like, on stage at Halloween. Okay. Weird ones up in the mountains. I did one recently that was, like, all zombie stuff. All the place settings were horror novels. And then That's the, cool. the surprise from the husband to the wife is that he hired a bunch of <laughs> zombie actors that could bust them out of this van after it was all over. Oh my god, that would have terrified oh. the shit out of me. It was groovy. It was a, one <laughs> of the awesome. cool, coolest weddings ever. But that was out of the same the same era we're talking about. This amazing bunch of people, you know. It's, yeah. I think for me, it's Amy Fisher, right? That made the difference to me. It made it seem that there was something bigger going on, right? And how important live music is. Period. You Absolutely. Know? So. uh you know, we were there seven nights a week doing our thing, but the average concert goer maybe goes four times a year. Right. So when you walk in, when I took over at the Bluebird, you know, the people at the box office were a pain in the ass. They'd yell at people. So that stopped because I'm sitting there. You're not going to be an asshole to somebody totally. in front of me. And then the, the door guys were all big thugs. I wanted to fight. And that included some, some of the guys that stayed <laughs> after I got mad. But then after that, we hired just people that were like could talk to you, you know. Yeah, you know? they just wanted you to have a good time, right? Because that's the most important part. That four times a year, and I know how I mean transformative music can be. I can sit there and tell you music notes I heard. Like even as For I'm sure. telling you this, I'm picturing these moments in my whole life. You know, at Robert playing at Red Rocks or the the 35 minute Sinead O'Connor show that she played at Red Rocks. That right. was just. 
you know? Yeah. But these shows that, you know, the, mainly the Bluebird that changed my life forever. Yeah. You know, and just feeling here, here. Yeah. Just being part of this whole thing, electric thing. And it's a, it's a, you know, the stage is the altar and that's it the is. church and that's where, you know, what's the unifying factor of religion, religious experiences that they sing together, you know? The Moonies sing together, the Catholics sing together, the Baptists right. sing together, the fucking Protestants sing together, the, you know. It's the universal language. Right. right, so what's the most important part of that whole thing? It's music, that's right. the most important part. So to get a chance to be part of a, you know, at the Bluebird, it's, if it's a six, a 500 cap venue, then 450 of those people really want to be there. They are there for the show. The other yeah. 50 are their dates or whatever, but that, that 50 people is not going to bring down the show. Right. You know, the 450 other people that are really connected. Yeah. And you can just watch it when we work the stage. Just watch it, a band just blow the, the blow crowd the, away. Absolutely. And just it was it, really you know? phenomenal yeah. to see that. Yeah. So you know, to be that, and then the Ogden, you know, 1100 cap, probably 300 people aren't there for the show. 400 right. people aren't there for the show, but right. the rest are there. So that's really good. But then when you get beyond that, when you get to the ball arena or Red Rocks or all it's that. It's not as intimate. No, because, you know, out of a group of 10 people, five people don't give a shit. They're totally. just there to party and it's Red Rocks. And, See each other, talk. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, so you're not going to get that same experience you're going to get at, you know, the Bluebird Theater. Absolutely. Which, you know, and like what I thought was unique about it is like, cause you did kind of like lay down the rules as far as everybody, you know, being nice and, you know, of course, like, you know, uh, being responsible and doing your job, but also just having a good time. Yeah. And, um, and it was really something special cause I, I know not only did like you give like my bands, like more opportunities than anybody else. Um, but you were always just like somebody I could go to and talk to. So that was really awesome, Rev. I really appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, I loved, I loved being like that. You know? And um, I, th I think I do remember my answer for that question. Yeah, like, what was What it? would grow? And I, I think I said hope. Yeah, yeah. So, and I could be wrong because that was like 20 it, plus years ago. No, I believe it. I believe yeah. it because it was, so, it was yeah. something that I knew it enough. I asked a lot of people that were just, <laughs> just, I don't know. Well, Jed, I, I think answered Elvis. Right? I'm sure that he answered was, Elvis. Is that what you answered, Jed? He, de he demeaned my no, question. <laughs> no, and I think that that was the question where you're like, no, just give me a straight answer. And I, I, I don't remember what I said, but I think it was along the lines of love or right. something yeah, right. like, cool. like that, you know. And a lot with along what you were just saying a second ago about uh, the 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 camaraderie and everything. At, at the Bluebird, one of the things that struck me when I first started working there, like I'd been in bands and, you know, part of the music scene for a while before then, and I had always seen it as something that was really competitive and everybody was like kind of against everybody else. Right. And when NIPP and that, that specific generation of the Denver music scene started, it kind of brought so many bands together. And I just like it, that whole competitive thing just went away yeah. and everybody was buddies. Yeah. You know, nobody was jockeying for shows or talking shit about other bands. I mean, sometimes there was, but I mean, you know, there was some shitty bands. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Real big fish, you know, and there's, and then like, you know, at least like 10, 10 to fucking 20 others. 
But yeah, no, you're right, man. You're right. Like it was like people, it was more of a camaraderie kind of thing. And, um, you know, and like with like us, like it really, it, it felt like, you know, the people like we worked with were family. Like, yeah. I mean, the shift drinks did go to like four or five in the morning at yeah. times, you know, yeah. one of those times, like Danny oh, yeah. Carey came in from Tool yeah. and we sat down and fucking, like talked to him, you know, and that was awesome. And then I, I remember Jed and I watching. Right What's that? <laughs> I'm looking at that picture right now. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. With uh, you, me, and Chris, and yeah. Danny Carey. Yeah. yeah. That was a, <laughs> such a great night. I just about shit my pants when he walked to the door. Like, because I think Jed went to go face. answer the door. Like, somebody was knocking on the door at, like, 2.30 in the morning. Jed went to go get it, and he's going to be like, man, you're going to be so happy when you see who walks in. <laughs> and I fucking was, dude. That was pretty awesome. Because Tool was playing down at the Pepsi Center, and that was also a, an NIPP yep. show. Yep. But uh, we, And we, we were working the Bluebird show, one. so we couldn't go. So... But it was just great to hang out with Danny and talk to him and have some drinks. He was a groovy dude. He, he was. was he was one that would pop in every now and again. Yeah, yeah. and like I mean, Frank Black hung out there. Yeah, Frank and, Black, uh, Mike Lee got to be really tight with Mike. Frank that's Black. awesome. Yeah. So Tiger's such Tiger a great Lee, guy. He is another and, great guy out of that whole deal. Yeah, it's 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 crazy because like even before we started this, Jeff, we were talking about you know G and Big G and just <laughs> like some of the other cats that like we haven't talked to in a little bit but like they're just amazing people like it was just such a fun place to work and like that's what it made was. those theaters like so special because you know going from like a movie theater you know and like i mean the ogden kind of like doing like the rocky horror stuff in like the 80s which like you know my sister and my wife uh, were a part of like at the time but then kind of moving into the whole music thing and and also with the bluebird like it was like there were two like spots like and it's Something that I've even talked about like earlier with uh, dollops, you know, because I mean these places are important and like very, you know, um, and and places like Mutiny and the Mercury Cafe and like the, and like the Fifteenth Street Tavern and and the Lionsler that have been so special in this town, Seven South and Nancy, you know, and like how many like you know women entrepreneurs there are in the in the music industry yeah, in Denver and Denver for sure. It's, it's just it's, it's an uphill battle crazy. everywhere else. It's not, yeah, it's yeah, definitely yeah. not like that everywhere else. Yeah. But um, yeah. you know, and like Amy being a part of everything at the Bluebird, and and she was also well, Mary uh, Jo managed. came out of all that too. Oh, okay, yeah, Mary yeah. Jo. That's a, you know, she's gone on to manage tour manage everybody. That's awesome. Yeah, Latronico, he ended up tour managing. You know, the guy that was that my sensei did Slayer for what a decade, Jed, maybe more. A lot. Yeah, yeah he did. Years. He did Snoop Dogg for a couple tours. He's yeah. done. Now he's the production manager of Cas Caspedita. That's all. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> Talk about like an evolution. Yeah, know? it's like it what, what a life. What a what a story to tell. I mean, right. And Latronico was the one that you know, he taught me about. All right, like when you're setting up the band room, make sure there's you know room temperature water for the singers. You know, make sure everything looks nice when you do stuff. This is the most important part. So it's that very beginning before anything happens. Right. You know, the first four people there are nice. Yeah. You know, they're nice to the bands. And then the ticket person is nice to the person that's coming in. Yeah. And then the door guy is not a dick. You right. know, he's nice to you and then they come in. Even if they have to pat you down. Right. Now, now but they're the funny detectors. about it. You know, you just do it. Yeah. Right. You know, now you go right. through, you go through the, the, the metal machine at the at the bird. It's really It's, it's crazy. I, I had to do that last night. It was crazy. I know. So I, I was kind of disappointed. I had to go back to the car and put all my weapons away. 
<laughs> the iron ore that you wanted to show the band. Right, right. right. It's my knife. Well, and there was some like insane clown posse like after parties. Yeah, that was and, crazy. And the shows were like. I we knew there one. was fucking like weapon, like everybody yeah. had a weapon, yeah. dude. Yeah. And like the security's just like standing up there, just like oh, I'm really fucking nervous. Yes, yeah. what's gonna happen? Gonna happen. <laughs> and then it, you know, <clears throat> unfortunately, we did have that one yeah, horrible incident. Yeah, at Bluebird. Yeah, that yeah. Was a, we did a rental with a Bloods associated hip hop, and it turned into. Literally, like a fight between girls at the front house that spilled out into the street, and then two minutes later, somebody was lying dead, and it wasn't anybody that started the fight. Wow, it was yeah. ter- terrible. It was awful. Yep. So, um, so let's not talk about that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Happy Christmas Eve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. But uh, yeah, it was you know, so with the camaraderie and that kind of stuff, and like doing the shift drinks. We also did stuff like I know the security. Like we had like our little fight club that lasted yep, I yep, think two nights. Good. I think there's some brain, some brain damage left from that. Th- there is. I, I know Chris Bear kicked my ass pretty hard. Yeah. 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 So uh, there was probably a time when like Jed kind of would have wouldn't have mind kicking my ass. Yeah, like yeah. we were roommates for like fucking a decade. I'm sure he was just like I just want to yeah. punch that. Well, that was fun That's stuff. Fun. That was like you know the, the the bookers from NIPP doing the rentals. So we had the boxing ring at the murder right. set up. We had a boxing ring a few times set up at the Ogden that was there for like what Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. So we all just beat each other up. Right. I got a bunch of photos from that too. That's awesome. <laughs> I still talk with uh, I still talk with AJ about that. He says he wants revenge still. <laughs> and like you're never gonna get it, Juice. You're never, never gonna, gonna get, get it. it. I think the only thing I'll do now is beat somebody down with my cane as they kill me. Oh shit! I, 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 I got no. I got nothing left. Yeah. Nope. After all that, that's like another thing, you know. After all those years, you know, we we're talking about all the good stuff, but. There was, you know, nut stuff every there was night. Crazy you know, that, shit, that, for sure. that, you know, C- Caleb, that got bit by that dude out yeah. front. Caleb ended up, you know, his record label is huge. Oh, nice. Yeah, he works That's with cool. uh, John Carpenter and. Awesome. Yeah, Good for him. Sacred Bones Records. Sacred Bones Sacred Records. Bones records. Wow. That's awesome. Sacred Bones. Okay. He was, you know, he went out to New York with Tony Rock and Roll yeah. to fight, seek their fortune, and. He didn't get hooked on heroin and followed the the path of uh, rock yeah. and roll and really well, just stuck awesome. with it. That DJing, bartending, the, right. tri- the triple threat you need to do to survive and perform or do whatever. So yeah, he ended up doing mm. it. And his label's done really well. That's awesome. Yeah, That's I, all, I, I, I always love hearing like the success yeah, stories. And I think that that was the same era, you know. Yeah. So either you succeeded or you died. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> And, you know, a lot of things, unfortunately, like, in Denver have gone to the wayside. So, oh my even God, with some dude. of our friends, like, it's, I really have been... a hard time waving the pom-pom anymore. Yeah, I was for totally sure. proud of what we were doing back then, but really, it's hard now. It is hard. Yeah. yeah. Tell me about it, man. When I go back to visit, it's just like, really? Fuck. Yeah. We, had to, we, had, ah. we went through two cans of Narcan two days ago at work. Yeah. Oh my God. These are the people, you know, it's like Matt's kids working there. My, you know, daughter or, you know, stepdaughter Paige is working there. They're not, this is, that's not what you signed up for. Yeah. You know, it is a bookstore. You right. Know? And so it's like the, the, the drug problem is so bad. And literally, like, I'm no detective, you know, right. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a police officer, but I can sit and see, all right, well, there's these people basically living in this, their own filth in the street, and then some guy that's wearing gold chains and 
something comes up and hangs out for a little while, and then the guy with the gold chains leaves. Right. You know? My guess would be you should follow the guy with the fucking gold, gold chains, chains and then see where he goes. Right. You know, or arrest the guy with the gold chains. Do whatever you need to do. Right. But, you know, I've, you know, talked to the duty police down there I've known for a decade. The chief told him, oh, the chief used to work at the Bluebird. Right. I mean, at the Ogden. Oh, he did? Yeah, I didn't realize yeah. that. There was Marty, who was fun. And then <laughs> the <laughs> yeah. guy who's Marty. now the chief is just no, you know, he's no fucking No around. fun. No fun. Yeah. But, it, you know, he told him not to do anything about down there. You know, they want, they want, the city wants it to fucking change into something else. Wow. So if they can crush it with lack of police enforcement and... You know, all the construction they've done, right. just blocking yeah. these streets off for totally. six, seven months at a time. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, they're doing no favors for the no, small businesses. No, it's been brutal, absolutely brutal. So, I mean, <clears throat> having to wave the pom-poms for a city that doesn't care about you right. anymore. Yeah, it's really getting <clears throat> tough. It, so, Johnson hasn't reached out to make nice with anybody? Or Not really. I mean, he, he's got he's got his plan with this thousand homeless people, but it's more of like a market deal. And it's like, there's got to be a long-term goal on it. Yeah. You know, the, the, the police are fucking useless in this town. The Denver Police Department is fucking horrible. Yeah. You know, they're, they're on the make. They're scammers. They don't do shit. You know, they've, they, they got their increase in pay. Right. You know, but still say there's... That you know the you know the, the budget's been cutting, right? been cut. You know, yeah. twenty-two million or whatever in payouts for assaults <clears throat> and you know fake arrests. That's right. our tax dollars paying this crazy totally. number yeah. to people that shouldn't have been beat up and shouldn't have been shot. Yeah. It's true, and it's Ooh. like I mean, you don't. I don't see people getting pulled over really, and like I mean, you know, you, no. you see like Denver's just lawless. I mean, they got. I mean, Jed, I don't know if you've seen it, but we have like you know underage kids on mini bikes. That all ride with like you know 50, 50 to a hundred deep. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And they come it's up with crazy. they come up with guns, block off the street, so the rest could go by. Yeah, and, I, Aurora has the same thing. Like they do like no enforcement, like, like motorcycle races, like yeah. on Tower Road, like all fucking night. Yeah. There's nothing. The police are doing nothing about it. I, yeah. call, I call them the the Shriners of the Apocalypse. You know, Shriners <laughs> of the Apocalypse. That would be a great band name. Yeah, well, there you go, Boobatures. <laughs> yeah. So many people ask me, so Jed, when are you, when are you going to move back? You know, when are you coming back? And I'm not. No, yeah. I'm not. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's, I, I can't afford to live in that city, number one. Number yeah. two, if I could, why the hell would I? Right. It's you a know? real hassle miss, to be here. I miss what it was. You right. know? I do it's, too. It's, yeah. But, you know, I will always love Denver and I will always go back to visit, but I'm not moving back there. You know, right. I'm, I'm just not. I got, you know, a lot. Things it took a while out here, but you know, things are finally starting to get good. Maybe not musically, but you know, personally, at least, it's great. Yeah, finally, yeah, well, that's good. No, uh, no, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, like no, I wouldn't, but I think that you know, <laughs> if if there's a lot of people of heart, you know, that still like have maybe have that young attitude like I had 20 years ago that want to do better, want to make the city better, and uh. It's waiting it out now, I think. I know. You know, waiting for the crash, whatever it's going to happen. Right. But maybe it won't in Denver. You know, it yeah. just seems like we're, there's this progression where the class disparity just keeps growing and growing and growing. So all it'll be is people living in shitty apartments outside of Denver and having to commute in every day on, with, you know, poor public 
transportation right. to serve this upper class of people that you know live in these five thousand dollar a month overpriced yeah, yeah it's which just, is just ludicrous mm-hmm. stuff man. it is it you know? absolutely yeah. is and every time you know there's so much of denver's become like a game of monopoly where they're just you know they bought the boardwalk park but they have the monopoly everywhere yep, right. and they're just totally just ruining it yeah but yeah they're the you know the golden age of denver 80s and 90s you could get an apartment for 300 yeah, it was bucks. Nothing. oh totally yeah. i mean chet and i like my garage was 195 a month went up to 225 oh, yeah. i think then i moved up to the big house up front for 450 a month for a whole house right yeah. right yeah yep so you could have like when i came here you could afford, you could afford we, we could all afford to do right. things like well i'm gonna do a zine i'm gonna work part-time at a coffee shop bars right bar Restaurant, whatever yeah. the fucking combination is. Go see my friend's shows. Yep. And then like, have plenty of time to create, you know? <laughs> right. And then we built this scene in this time that we're talking about. This we scene, did. this is, I mean, we built a bigger thing. It's beyond just what was there. It was right. an attitude that, that, that permeated everything else from there, from our production guys that ended up being nice, you know, from all these people that went mm-hmm. out. So I really, and like Jen was talking about how the bands all, Held each other up rather yeah, than pushed each sure. other aside. You know, if one wins, we all win. We That's all the way win. I felt about you know about That's everything. 100%. You know, so my uh, friend was going with that. So Inglewood, Inglewood's the next coolest place in fucking the whole state. Man. I think so. Yeah, but man. It, uh, there are still see what would this city really needs is more people. From Inglewood to set up our half trailer, um, half pickup truck turned into trailers everywhere. So just uh, find the nicest house, find, you know, where they're building the newest, yep. like, three story duplex that people love that are, you know, and just move in that trailer and just yep. let it die there. Yep. Yeah. You know, find, we need to find a way too, to, to like cement them to the street so they can never be. It's, it's, it's really tough to fight the rich. Yeah, you know, it is. The, the, poli- the police aren't here to enforce anything for the people, they only enforce for the money. Right. You know, so if there's a if there's a, a union protest and police, they have a union and I'm putting up my quote fingers, you know, in the gang. air. Yeah. It's a gang. It's a gang run by gangsters, you know. Right. So they're not real union members. And they're the ones that will show up and beat up the union members, you know. Right. So <laughs> I mean, to, yeah. to fight that is really hard, you know. It is. And when like with mutiny, with mutiny now, if you saw it, Jed, you know, I got I got the mm-hmm. front door fixed. You know, so okay. there's glass there now, but the rest is kind of beat up. And when I, when I was there at the beginning, I thought, all right, three kings, us, we're supposed to, our job is to make the neighborhood better and better and better. Yeah. But then I realized mm-hmm. now it's not the case. You know, I shouldn't be doing that because the long-term goal is to get rid of anybody. That's that wants small to do business. Positive. Right. 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 Yeah. You know? So do you own the building there? Or? No, I don't. But oh, our yeah. landlords are amazing people. And that's, that's why... I don't go off on anti-landlord stuff on my Instagram or the, my social media stuff because yeah. I've been lucky enough to have great landlords. That's awesome. And it's family-owned, and that's why my business and the three down that are all like under that same uh, umbrella, umbrella building, they're all they've always been local businesses, always given people a chance. Right. You know, we rented it from the older couple that owned it, and they, you know, the the man came straight from Greece. He was sixteen, got on a boat. Came all the way to New York City, not speaking English, you know, gets off, you know, goes through the Statue of Liberty, all that stuff, then gets picked up by an uncle, you know, there's a million uncles in Greece, and then the uncle takes him to the train station right away that day, puts him on a train to Denver, which, again, he doesn't speak English at all, 
rode that train and was afraid, couldn't get off anywhere because he didn't know how to read the signs. Yeah. So if he left the train, he would be lost forever. Totally. So he rode that train all the way to Denver, got off the train, got picked up by another uncle. <laughs> and then <laughs> the uncle took him right to a restaurant, had him start washing dishes. Okay. And then he worked his way out of that. He bought the, the our building, I think, in the 80s for... Hundred and ten thousand. Wow, which that's is, crazy! Whoa, you know, he's paid for it because back then the eighties was just before you know the gay explosion, so he got in there at the right at the right time. Before, yeah, you know, we had you know gay money yeah, coming. Is this guy, the, the the gentleman that you're talking about? Is this the guy that used to cook at Swift's? Yeah, that's his son, one of his sons. Okay. And then the older okay, guy, yeah. the older, older dude, that was the guy that owned it. He okay. never liked, he would wear sweatsitos, which he's my inspiration for wearing my sweatsitos. But he would, <laughs> he would, like anytime we had business meetings, he suddenly couldn't understand English. Okay. You know, so, yeah, that kind of stuff. Or he'd just want to play pool, so we'd go shoot pool at the Kings and, you know, take an hour to ask him a question because he was busy regaling us with tales of gambling right. and stuff like that. That's awesome. <laughs> but when he died, the sons took over, and the sons work in nonprofit. They work in great things. You know, they right. work with developmentally disabled kids, so they're on the same page as we are, and have given us lots of breaks. That's awesome. So, just lucky oh, to have Lem. And it's all kind of no, it's rare. Yeah, yeah, and it's about like supporting each other. You know, first yeah. of all, a country built by immigrants. You know, and like yep. doing amazing things, you know, yep. and and then giving, you know, people like Rev the opportunity to do what he wants to do. And um, yeah, I mean, and, and you're right. We did like all kind of take part in like helping build that scene like yep. years ago. And I thank God every day that Mutiny is, is around just because like it's such an important place. You know, that was like kind of before we kind of switched to a format where we were like interviewing people like Andrew and I last year talked about like Mutiny and the Mercury Cafe as being like these center points yeah, of like amazingness, you yeah. know, and just because like, at, you know, Denver was a cow town. Like, well, are you from Denver did, or did, I, no. when did you move here? I, I moved to Denver in like 90 or 91 after okay. I graduated college. I drove around the country for a long time. And where are you from, man? Well, I was born in upstate New York and then okay. uh, graduated to Ponderosa and Parker. Nice. Um, and then I know you did like a lot of like kind of train traveling yourself. Yeah, like, we did some hopping. Nice. Yeah, amazing stuff. That's that's my retirement plan is to grow my beard out and just get on a train and disappear. There you go. But probably the most <laughs> nice. amazing fun time in my life. I did it with me and this older guy that taught me. And then I went out with Matt and the older guy also. Nice. And then we did one more time after that. That's awesome. Yeah, up to Seattle or Portland. And so what made you decide that you wanted to go to the bookstore? Like right. Well, when we had the zine, it was like that whole just wouldn't it be great to have a place where you can do this, 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 and this, and this, and this. Yeah. And uh, that was the dream all along. And, you know, I got the Three Kings after after the, after the NIPP years took over the Kings with the same idea to bring artists and musicians and writers all together in one spot so they can all encourage people, lift each other up. And there was a lot of that. But what gets in the way of that is alcohol. So when plans are made late at night, right? But uh, the real plans are made at a coffee shop the next day, you know, yeah. by, by the people that can get up and do it, you know. So being at the coffee shop, it's you know what my thing was. I guess you know I was around people that weren't necessarily doers, and then when I got my job doing security at the Bluebird, I suddenly met all these people that were doers. 
Yeah. It's like, oh, wow, this guy's a bartender, but he's really a photographer. You know, this guy's a fucking security guy, but he's really a drummer. Right. And all these people that were, whoops, excuse me, that right. were really doing something else. And it was so exciting and invigorating to be around that, you know. So carrying that idea, just surrounding myself only with doers, this basically my whole career, you know. Yeah. So going to the Kings and encouraging that kind of stuff and, be, you know, how important local music is and all these things, right. you know. Number one, from an economic standpoint, it's smart. You know, to book local bands and give them a percentage of the door and all that right. kind of stuff because you're not really gambling anything, you know. But you have that spot where everybody can come and cheer each other on. Yeah. You know, and, and there, you know, the bartender was this and the, right. the sound guy was that. And most of the sound people and people I worked with were people that tail end of uh, the NIPP stuff. Yeah. You know, so when we were at NIPP again, you know, we had security guys that went off, I mean, uh, sound guys that went off to go work at every other venue right. that brought that idea that are nicer to people there, you know. Yeah. And, and just we, spread that. Yeah. And yeah. having like tour managers and people leave from that scene to go on to create record labels, yeah. to become, mm -hmm. you know, tour managers and stuff like Steven. You know, Steven is so laid back. You know, totally. and, and watching him do his job as a tour manager, you know, still thinking he's that 19-year-old or 20-year-old right. guy that we, I hired, <laughs> yeah. you know, and to see him as a man and really just do these things. And Big G, who, you know, came out, you know, he's got scars on his body from being shot, but came out of that and really embraced that NIPP yeah. or really embraced our family and worked his way up and has made his entire career that, you know, could have went the other way. Right. You know, it didn't right. go the other way. It stayed this way. And, you know, another amazing, big, beautiful, gentle man that I love so much, totally. you know, that came out of that. Absolutely. Yeah. What, Absolutely. What zine did you do? I did a zine called The. I think, were you part of the um, Colorado Zine Pool that John Yeah, Gross yeah, did? yeah, yeah, oh, John yeah. John Gross. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think I knew you. <laughs> yeah, really. Spider. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No way. I still have all those zines. I donated a lot to the Denver Zine Library. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I wish I, I accidentally threw away half my Did morning. you come to that one big meeting at my house? Um, we no. all sat in the front. It was like 25 <laughs> of us. John Gross, he put, he put it together. I missed that. So that was, yeah, Julia McClurg told me all about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Julia's great. You know, she's done really well yeah. with uh, her art. Yeah, yeah. I follow her on there. She's got like 173,000 followers or something for her art. Yeah. She married some a mate, like beyond rich dude. Like, wow, oh, it's crazy. Her that story. makes sense. <laughs> 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 the guy, but there's like Jerodes following her and shit because he's an evil millionaire. Oh my God. Yeah, that's that's neat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that was one. That was that community building for Zine. So the, the Colorado Zine Pool, which is. That's awesome. A really clever yeah. idea. Yeah. We all we all contributed a page. Yeah. And then we could all go and sell it and stuff. It's, it's crazy like how That's neat. Like, it was yeah. like a vibrant community. It's <laughs> yeah. really of zine creators. Like yeah. Denver was like had some of the best, yeah. I think. Yeah. Dave uh Dave oh man, Herrera, who was the music editor for the, the Westward for yeah. a root like Oh Dave Herrera. Yeah, yeah, fifteen years yeah. maybe. He, I met him first doing zines. <laughs> Julia, okay. Julie from Zines. Who else? Oh, uh, Sam. Well, I can't remember Sam's last name now, but he's doing Birdie Magazine with Mark Mothersbaugh from uh, oh, no Devo. And that magazine is absolutely incredible. His design, his art, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's beyond it's beyond compare. And it's, you know, they charge for it everywhere, but it's free in Denver. Okay. It's one of the classiest That's things awesome. ever. But he did the Red Wheelbarrow, which was a zine yeah. back then that we would, you know, 
there was a little competition, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> just a little. But it's zines, you know, and there was pinball culture. There was guys doing pinball zines. The hooligan, right. yeah. The hooligan had, had they had what like maybe a four uh, or five year hooligan. run back then, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. The zines were a big part of it. Yeah, yeah. John Gross was really great in organizing, just yeah. collecting, and just, all I did was collect everybody's contact, and they yeah. finally said, "Hey, let's get together." And then, did you? There was a thing we did in the mountains where we all went up to yeah, some yeah. like dance rave. That's thing. cool. <laughs> yeah, and it was, and so we set up this big table <laughs> of zines, and we're like, you know, waiting for people to come read, and it was like. They were all there to dance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, right, like, right. Like, like, I think we gave away one zine the whole night. <laughs> okay, well, I guess we're all just going to like bird watch and dance now. This That's, is yeah, okay. It's heartbreaking, that one. Yeah, yeah. But John Gross, he ended up running Rhinoceropolis. Yeah, and all yeah. That. So, I mean, That's another awesome. great guy out of that zine culture. And yeah. that was just, you know, out of what Kara Zimpo was 20 zines. So, right. you can pick. 10 people that went off to just continue to follow an artistic path. Yeah. You know, and it's a hard run to choose that path. Oh, for sure. There's no insurance. Yeah, there's definitely not. (laughs) So, and as you get older, that definitely gets harder. So, well, you know, and I would encourage everybody too, who's like 30, 30, whatever, thinking like, Oh, you know, this isn't working. Like I'm, you know, I'm not making money on this. There's no reason. No, just keep doing it. Just just because it's fun. Right. Art for for art's sake is super important. And to keep doing that is super important. And I think again, when we talk about this era where the Denver bands were all supporting each other, it was that there was no thought of becoming huge because you're not going to be huge. You're not going to be huge being a punk rock band. You're not Mm going to be that. I mean, you can tour, and be that amazing blue collar right. band that plays five nights a week, four totally. weeks a year, whatever. But everybody was there just to play to have fun, which is why, like drummers, you know, played right. in three or four bands, and because there was that many bands that <laughs> yeah. needed that stuff. Totally, you know. And then having the venues to play, like the Bluebird and the Lair and Seven South and uh, High Dive, to have those venues to play, <clears throat> it was just making music for music's sake. It was. And I think, like, again, encourage people, if you're, if you like write poems, keep writing poems, keep doing it. Do it only for the sake of doing it. Right. Not for any sort of financial reward because you're never going to get that. Right. And in music, especially, you will rarely get that. Yeah. If you break even on a tour, I think that is a success. That's that's fucking totally. The dream is like Plains Mistaken for Stars. They all left with $10 in their pockets and they toured for a fucking decade, burned this country down, and came back with $10 in their pocket. Right. You know? And said, well, what the fuck are we going to do now? Yeah. Absolutely. And then they all started all those different bands, like Jed was in with them. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. So there's great stuff out of that. But that's, you know, for me, that's. The most, that's the biggest dream ever, you know, to be able to drive around in a van for 10 years and have everything paid for. Right. You know? it, it's mm-hmm. absolutely. It's the shit. And, and I mean, the, it, like, and the experiences you get to have. It's yes. like, I mean, like what we're doing right now, like sitting here talking about like some of the best times of our yeah. life, you know, and it's just like, so what we got out of that was pretty fucking awesome, oh, you yeah. know? Like, Jed is one of my favorite drummers, like, in oh, town. And, I, and, and just like, <laughs> You know, but it was always good being able to, like, go and support each other's bands yep. and then hang out. And, I mean, like, we were, like, family, too, you know? And yep. it's just, like, well, and yeah. now we can kind of go back and just, like, talk about this stuff. And it's it's been awesome. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah. It's, like, what you were saying about, like, you don't stop doing it. 
Yeah. If right. you stop doing it, then you never wanted to do it in the first, in the first place. place. Then you're you know? true, then you're the, then you're the sellout that you fucking that, raged yeah, against twenty years ago. Exactly. You're a liar, you know. For sure. When I you watch it, it's good. I didn't take anything except for my drums and my clothes. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you, were lucky you, you remembered all your clothes. Just and pa- like... packed all your underwear in the hi hat in the in the in your bass drum. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like makes great Pretty suitcase. Much. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and a couple plants. I've got a couple. I, I, I'm out here and I, I don't have anybody to play with out here. Yep. You know, I've, I've played with a couple of people, you know, Chuck French introduced me to a, um, a couple of guys and I've had some fun, you know, fun just jamming with those dudes. But yeah. I'm not going to not play. Right. You know, I'm, I, I, I can't just not play. But right. Anybody, whether you're a musician or a writer or an artist, it's, it's something that's ingrained. Yeah. You don't do it and then, you are you're not doing yourself any justice and you're only going to get depressed and now at the end of the world everybody should be making art yeah and it's just like i mean i know things have changed like you know the bluebird and the ogden are now run by aeg boo and uh you know um like a lot of places aren't here anymore like seven south but now it's the high dive. And, yeah, and they've you know, done fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like, so support the places that are here, you know? And, like, I mean, Mutiny is, like, an epicenter of, inf- of like, punk rock information, fucking pinball, coffee. And, like, you've got to go down and support them, yeah. you know? All-ages shows. I mean, Absolutely. one of the neatest shows I did in the last uh, year was the guy that I played in the band with in the early 80s. Yeah. His son was coming to play. That's awesome. You know, so we got to hang out. None of the kids wanted to hear our stories. Wow. That's a way. <laughs> I'd say, hey, that's yeah, I, I played in the band with your dad. Right. And they're like, oh, yeah? Okay. They just went about their business and did not want to hear the rest of the story. Wow. Yeah. What was the name of that band, Just Jim? Undisassembled. <laughs> oh, the, my first band and this... was Failed Abortions. Failed Abortions. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh wow! So then, you know, I think that might be related to Trump and some. Things. Yeah, but Pete Fly, remember Pete Fly? He was <laughs> hung out at the Lair. Oh, he was a famous punk rocker when oh, I, nice. when we got into punk rock. All right. And we lived. I mean, I lived out in Douglas County, so there okay. wasn't there wasn't poor people out no. there. So I remember uh, they invited Fly to come out and watch our, our practice at my friend's house, and my friend lived with his his mom and dad, and that's it. Okay. But it was like a six thousand square foot, seven thousand square foot house. Yeah. So our rehearsal space in the basement was really nice for yeah. fucking sixteen, seventeen year olds. That's awesome. And Pete was just so uh, he couldn't understand that only one family lived there, and just held that against us, and we never got any. <laughs> but I get it, you know. They, I mean, they were all raging against the suburban blight and all yeah. that. So that I mean, I having us it. come in, that were all just incredibly wealthy white kids. Yeah. You know? I but I cracked it. You know, I came to Denver and got poor. You did? Yeah, you got super did. poor. You broke the cycle. <laughs> <laughs> you broke the cycle there, yeah. Good job. Yeah. Good job. I'm taking the family back to the trailer park. <laughs> I was born in a trailer park, and that's where I'm going to end up. Well done. Well, fellas, like, unfortunately, I got to say, because I think the Sheridan Library is getting Yeah, really it closes close at here. five, yeah. But uh, this has been awesome. It has. We should do a part two. And uh, I think we I should talk do about, a part I could talk two. Because I think we could definitely do, like, another hour... In 15 minutes of this. Yeah, we barely scratched the surface. We, yeah, we didn't show. really talk about like some of the stuff I was hoping we <laughs> yeah, got yeah. to. 
So I don't know. Like, would you be able to yeah, do this yeah, again? Yeah, I'll do it again. I'll bring up my schedule book right. and I'll say, Jed, remember when you were bar back at the <laughs> Super Sucker Show in 1999? Totally. Remember that show? You remember this Like, people ask me about shows. I'm like, I don't know. Like, they just say, what's your favorite show? Totally. But then when you start dropping names and stuff, all this stuff comes back. I know. And looking right? at the schedule, I mean, truly, it feels like yesterday. Yeah. I was filling this stuff out. And, you know, the, I mean, all the names of people I've stayed, I mean, I've stayed in touch with just about everybody. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, there's a well, few I'm, I'm sour, sour grapes in the bunch. Yeah, there's you a know? couple. But that guy can go fuck himself. Totally. Yeah. But everybody else is pretty <laughs> awesome. You know? So, Jen, are, are you down to do another conversation yeah. like this? Awesome. We should just, I mean, I think we could do a whole Amy Fisher one. I think we could, for yeah, sure. We could. Well, guys, we I just want to say this is. Go ahead. I'm yeah, Mike Lee in on this. Yeah, totally. I would love that. Mike Lee needs to be talking about this. It would be therapy totally. for him. Yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure, without a doubt. Mike Lee. Yeah. All right. Because all right. that was, for me, uh, it's just everything all ties in. That would be a, a four way or five way mm -hmm. conversation with yeah. Mike Lee would be great. Okay. Because he was there. He was. <laughs> he enjoyed it as much as I did. Yeah. We had a lot of fun. <laughs> Well, fellas, I, I just um, want to say this has been awesome, and uh, I appreciate Jim coming out yeah, and yeah. Jed being on the phone. Thanks, uh, Jed. You know, Art bringing new microphones and participating in all been friends this. for thirty years. Yeah, now, yeah like, Art being a, like Jim and, and Art being a part of the whole Denver zine yeah. scene. So, yeah, this has been great. So, thanks everybody, and um, we'll you know. Happy 2024, and yeah. uh, we'll talk to you in the new year. Yeah. Happy All right. 2024. So, and definitely go check out Mutiny uh, to South Broadway yeah. um, whenever you can. And we want to give out a shout-out to our friend Chris, who was also going to be a part of this interview, but we just couldn't make his schedule work. Um, from Blade Runner, uh, he owns a barbershop on South Broadway. Definitely go check his yep. barbershop yeah, out. Yeah, it's like no barbershop anywhere. It, it truly is. Um, so. he, he, yeah, he does his paintings. So he got tired of people buying his paintings, because, yeah. you know, the pressure to be commercial and successful. And it was just taking away. So now he does these paintings, art for art's sake, then he paints over them. That's it, it is. It is. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Just let it go. Just wow. like, like, yeah, right? Like, that's what the... My stomach just dropped. <laughs> yeah. I have one of Chris's paintings that's hung in my house for as long as I that's can remember. Awesome. When I did that zombie art show when I first opened the okay. case, he did a great zombie. That's awesome. Wow, that's, that's crazy. See, there you go. Yeah. And that's that arts for art's sake, because it doesn't yeah. matter what happens after that. Right. Yeah. It's him getting it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Well, I can't wait to see him. Huh? Well, Jed, we love you and love we miss you. Buddy. And uh, yeah, we'll do another. We'll do another uh, episode of like of this this uh, this. I guess yeah, part a second of, part two of this. Yeah. All right. So all right. Peace. peace. Thank you. Talk to you soon, Jay. Love you guys. Love you guys. Bye. 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 Bye.